0: On Wednesday this week, we're going to begin our 40-day and 40-night journey towards Jerusalem in the season of Lent. I hope you'll join me and all of uh, your clergy team here in the sanctuary at either twelve fifteen or 7 on Wednesday um, to receive ashes, but also uh, to enter this Lenten season together as we explore the seven essential questions that Jesus asked. Uh, Jesus asked more questions. Than were ever asked of him. And so we're going to explore seven of the essential questions in hopes that questions will lead us further in faith as we make our way towards the cross. But before Lent begins, here we are on the Sunday before Ash Wednesday to explore our final sermon in this series Seeking the Welfare of the City. Over the last two weeks, we've uh, heard some staggering statistics about the city in which we call home, a city that we love. We've heard uh, statistics around housing and education and income inequality. And my hope is today in this final sermon, we'll catch a glimpse of Jeremiah's vision for the Israelites who are now in Babylon, who are now in exile, who are now trying to make sense of their world, and their very lives. So we're going to turn again to the 29th chapter of the book of Jeremiah. We're going to pick up at verse 4. Listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. And give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Remind us, O God, that you hover here, You hover in this very sanctuary just as you hovered over the waters of creation all those years ago. Remind us that you hover here to bring light out of our darkness, hope out of despair, order out of chaos. Remind us, O God, that you hover here just as you hovered over those waters to bring new life out of these ancient words. Good news out of the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts. For we pray, O God, for it all, to be of your new creation among us, here and now. For we do pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Sally was standing right on the edge of retirement. She had just begun taking Fridays off at the office. She was beginning to wonder what she was going to do with all of her time. She wanted to invest it in meaningful ways. And so Sally came to church just like Sally always did. She sat right there about five pews back from the lectern when one of the ministers stepped up and said, we need volunteers. We need volunteers who will agree to be Reading buddies at a local elementary school, if you're looking for a way to invest your time in a meaningful way, there's going to be a table in the atrium following worship this morning. I would really, really encourage you to sign up. Sally said, Matthew, I felt like that message was meant for me. So I went out to the atrium following worship and I signed up to read at a local elementary school to a group of third graders. She said, Matthew, I gotta tell you, I was a little nervous. It was outside of my comfort zone. It was uh, so far outside of everything that I normally did and I can't even believe that I'm gonna admit this to you today, Matthew, but on my first day, I got to the elementary school 10 minutes early and I didn't go in. I sat in my car in the parking lot and I prayed, oh my God, what have I done? She said, I was 64 years old and I was nervous to walk into an elementary school again. I said, why were you nervous? She said, I had no idea what would be waiting for me on the other side of the door. I said, what was waiting for you? She said, I'll never forget the day I met Alvin. He was in third grade. Uh, The principal was there to introduce us. Alvin was standing there in his Superman T-shirt. As soon as I saw that he was wearing a Superman T-shirt, I knew he belonged to me you see, my son, when he was in third grade, he had a Superman t-shirt just like Alvin's. There wasn't a week that went by that my son didn't wear that Superman t-shirt to school. I walked over to Alvin. I said, Alvin, I'm Miss Sally. And he said, Hi, Miss Sally. I'm Alvin. She said, I like your shirt a lot. It reminds me of a shirt that my son had. Alvin began to grin. She said, We were thick as thieves. We found our way to the uh, reading nook and I began to read. Alvin and I hit it off and for three weeks in a row, I met Alvin and I did not miss. Sally said uh, that became one of the highlights of my whole week. It, it, it became the moment that I looked forward to the most. She said, I, I've been volunteering for about three months and uh, there was gonna be a break teacher in service day that following monday and i was reading the week before and i said alvin are you going to do anything fun over the break and alvin said miss sally what do you mean by fun she said are you going to play with any of your uh, friends in the neighborhood tomorrow maybe uh, you'll go out to dinner with your family and alvin looked at miss sally puzzled he said i don't know what you mean miss sally she said well surely you're going to do something fun like maybe you'll stay out late and play one of the games that you play when it's dark outside Alvin said, Miss Sally, I don't play in the dark. And Sally said, why not? She said, we have a rule in our neighborhood that when the sun goes down, you gotta be back in your apartment. Miss Sally said, why is that Alvin? He said, because scary things happen at night. She said, okay, well maybe you won't play outside in the dark, but maybe you'll go out to eat. And Alvin said, Miss Sally, we never go out to eat. She said, really never? He said, no, never. Sally didn't know what to say next, so she said, oh, Alvin, what page are we on? Let's get back to our reading, and she continued to read. Something didn't sit right with Sally, and so she stopped by the principal's office on her way out to the parking lot that day, and she popped in, and she said, hey, I'm I'm Sally, I'm Alvin's reading buddy. He said some things today that I just, can I get your take on them? The principal said, yeah. She said, "Uh, Alvin told me that he never plays uh, in the dark because his neighborhood's too scary. She said, yeah, Alvin is, he lives in a pretty tough neighborhood with some other kids. They have a rule. When the sun goes down, they don't go out. She said, he also said that he never goes out to eat. Is that really true? She said, Sally, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really know how to tell you this. But uh, the last full meal that Alvin gets, and many of the kids who live in the neighborhood right next to the school, the last full meal that they receive is the lunch they have on or the lunch they have on Friday. Sally was absolutely dumbfounded. She thanked the principal for her time. She got in her car and she picked up her cell phone and she called her pastor. It wasn't me. It was a different pastor. And she said, "Uh, you know how y'all made that all call to to be a, a reading buddy a couple weeks ago in church? Well, I took you up on that. And I'm reading to this little guy, Alvin, and man, do we have some problems. Can I set up some time? I want to come meet with you. And the pastor said, sure, come on over. So she sits down and Sally says to the pastor, Alvin doesn't have food on the weekends and he can't go out at night. And this is just unacceptable. I would like to organize a food drive every single Sunday and ask the congregation to bring in food for the week. We'll get our youth group to package that food in bags and I'll go to the men's breakfast and I'll ask them if they'll deliver that food. To the school on Friday mornings. Can we do that here at the church? And the pastor said, Whoa. This seems like a lot of of work. I don't know if this is sustainable. Sally said, "Uh, You don't understand. I've taken off Fridays. I'm getting ready to retire. I'll take it, I'll take on the responsibility myself. And the pastor said, Okay. Sally whipped up the best program that you've ever seen, there were no hiccups. They made a couple of announcements. People started bringing food on Sunday mornings. The youth group would take that food, sort it, package it into bags, and the men's breakfast on Friday mornings would come to the church and deliver that food to the school. Sally signed up to read. And now Sally was in the food business. Everything was going great. Food was getting to the school, no problem, until Sally uh, was driving home from reading to Alvin one day. And the, and the thought occurred to her, if Alvin doesn't have food over a long weekend, what in the world is Alvin going to do when summertime comes? So she picked up her cell phone and she called the pastor and she said, hey, can I have a little more time? The pastor said, okay, Sally, come on by. Sally sat down and she said, it occurred to me, if Alvin and, and these children don't have food over a long weekend, what are they going to do during the summer? I would like to propose that we put together a summer camp here at the church. We, uh, we could maybe take that old church bus that we never seem to drive out in the parking lot. Maybe we can get some of the guys from Men's Breakfast to drive it. We could pick up the kids and bring them to the church. Maybe we could uh, maybe do just a continental breakfast, uh, you know, bagels and yogurt. Maybe, maybe we could have a couple of activities and maybe some of these kids that are behind, maybe we could put together a reading program to get them caught up. So that they're ready for the next school year. And what if we ended every day with a meal so that those kids had food in their bellies when they went back home? The pastor said, Sally, this is a huge undertaking. We can't afford to mess something like this up. Sally said, don't you worry. I'm about to retire in a month. I'm going to give all my time to this. And Sally got to work. She went to uh, her her friend group. She got volunteers lined up. She went to the men's breakfast and they all agreed to begin driving. She even went to other churches and faith communities and got people to volunteer so they could be tutors during the summer. That first summer, 50 kids from that elementary school signed up to be part of the summer camp. Every morning, the men's breakfast guys were there in the bus to pick the kids up. They came, they had bagels and they had yogurt they got some tutoring and they had fun activities planned every afternoon they went home after they had a really good lunch everything was going fine Sally signed up to read then she got in the food business then she got in the summer camp business everything was going fine until Bob one of the men's breakfast guys Pulled Sally aside sometime uh, late in July, and and, and Bob said, Sally, um, I've been driving. Thursday's my day. And I love it. It's like the highlight of my week, Sally. But I've been driving that bus in and out of that neighborhood all summer, and I got a question for you, Sally. If these kids don't have anywhere to go during the summer, what are they doing after school? Surely we can, we can take what we're doing during the summer and we can package it and we can make it into a, sort of an after-school activity. And Sally said, wait a second. <laughs> I got my plate, it's full. Bob said, don't you worry, I'd help you. She said, well, then you got to go meet with the minister with me. <laughs> so they went to the minister and they said, we want to put together an after-school program. Maybe we could still use that bus and we'll pick up the kids at school and we'll bring them to the church. We'll, do, uh, we'll get homework buddies. We won't call them tutors. We'll call them homework buddies. We'll get the homework buddies ready and we'll, uh, we'll do sign ups for meals every night so the kids have dinner every night. The minister said, Sally, Bob, you can't mess this up. That fall, they had 100 children signed up in the after school program. Bob got the men's breakfast guys uh, to drive the bus to the local elementary school. Sally went and she got all the homework buddies. Then the most amazing thing happened. They started doing sign-ups for meals, for supper. And people in the business community started signing up. They had a law office come and provide food one night. And they stayed to serve it. They had a a small business owner in the church say that she wanted to take the whole month. She provided dinner every single night for a month, and she and her friends would kind of serve it. Everything was going great, except Sally had only agreed to read. And then she got in the food business. Then she got in the summer camp business, and now she was in the after-school business. And everything was great. Until one day, uh, one of the homework buddies came over and said, Sally, um, I, was, I was doing homework with, with my little girl. And I asked her, I said, why are you so sleepy today? And she said, oh, I was, my, 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 my brothers and sisters kept me up all night. She said, oh, were they being really loud in that room right next to yours? The little girl said, no. What do you mean the room right next to mine? She said, well, were they, were they keeping you up all night because they were being so loud? She said, yeah, they were keeping me up because they were being so loud, but they were in the same bed with me. And she said, well, how many, how many of you share a bed? She said, there, there are four of us in a bed. And the homework buddy said, what, what do you mean there are four of you in a bed? She said, yeah, we, we sleep in one bed every night. The homework buddy went to Sally and said, Sally, how can, um, how can our children thrive in school if they can't even get a good night's rest? I live um, on my street, Sally, is uh, one of the executives for Rooms to Go. You know that national furniture chain, Sally? Sally said, yeah, I've seen their commercials. She said, would you mind, Sally, if I went and knocked on their door and told them of our, our situation and see if they would donate maybe some bunk beds so those kids would have their own bed? Sally said, you can do it. I'm not doing it. Knock yourself out. <laughs> woman walked a couple houses down, knocked on the door, and she said, hey, I'm a homework buddy at my church. We have, a, we have these kids who sleep four in a bed. Would you all at rooms to go, you know, at the corporate level, uh, consider maybe giving some bunk beds? The executive said, absolutely. We'd love to do that. So uh, it was a Saturday right before uh, Christmas, And a bunch of the homework buddies uh, came and they did an extreme bedroom makeover. (laughs) They ripped out the carpet. They put down new carpet. They put in a dresser. And they put in a bunk bed that slept three people. I didn't even know those existed. What they did for one, they had to do for all. And so over the next 16 months, they did 100 bedroom makeovers. Sally signed up to read. Then she got in the food business. Then she got in the summer camp business. Then she got in the after school business. And she ended up in the rooms to go business. (laughs) Friends, isn't that how it happens? You think that you're going to sign up to read. And then you learn that child's name and your entire life is cracked open to something greater than you could have ever imagined. How many times uh, have you signed up to read and that's happened to you? Or you've heard of a church, a faith community, or a not-for-profit that is looking for the silver bullet to end and eradicate poverty. If they can just, if we're going to figure out food... If we can figure out food, then people can nourish themselves and they'll be good in education. Or if we can figure out housing, then then the kids can rest well and we'll be able to create order in neighborhoods and it'll work out. Or if we can solve the education silver bullet, then all tides will rise. How many times uh, have we been part of organizations like that? And then when we sign up, we realize that poverty is like an onion. That we've signed up to take on one layer, only to find the more that we peel back, there are layers and layers and layers that we didn't know existed. Uh, The good news is, I think the prophet Jeremiah offers us a, a vision, a vision. For the city in which God desires for all of God's people. Let's be clear about this. The words that we've been reading for the last three weeks in a row, that's very non-Presbyterian, by the way. The same words we've been reading for three weeks in a row are words that are merely in a letter that have yet to take on flesh. Jeremiah is saying God has a vision For the welfare of a city. And did you know that Jeremiah isn't seeking a silver bullet? Jeremiah doesn't say, hey, if you could just build a community garden up in Babylon, everybody will be fed and happy. Jeremiah doesn't say, hey, build equitable housing and then all your problems will be solved. No, I think Jeremiah may be giving us a glimpse of the vision that God wants for all of us, even in Dallas, Texas. A vision that is holistic. A vision that says plant gardens and build houses and dream dreams and seek healthy relationships in the city in which you dwell. Uh, This past fall, I was invited to go to the Momentus Conference here in Dallas. Michelle uh, Kinder is just completing uh, almost 20 years of leadership as the executive director of the Momentus Institute. They have done more for education innovation than almost any group that I have ever encountered. But Michelle, as she was standing, looking back on 20 years of her life and this work, said with bold conviction, there are no silver bullets. Education is one of many key components to a whole and healthy life. Our educational solutions have to be married with housing solutions that have to be married with food solutions, that have to be married with wellness solutions. I think Michelle's right. And I heard the prophet Jeremiah in her words that night. Many of you have pulled me aside, you've emailed me, uh, some of you have even stopped me in the flower room after worship over the last two weeks, and you've said, Matthew, these statistics, we got to do something about them. Tell me we got a plan. What are we going to do? I think that's the right question. But before we begin answering that question, we have to acknowledge, we got to begin answering that question at the end of Sally's journey, y'all, we've got to recognize that if we get in the reading business, that we're going to get in the food business, that we're going to get in the summer camp business, that we're going to get in the after-school business, and that we're going to get in the rooms-to-go business. Answering the question, what are we going to do? We've got to begin knowing we're going to get in the rooms-to-go business, okay? we got to get there because poverty is like an onion. We need a, a holistic and integrated approach. Several folks here in Dallas for the last couple of years have been wrestling with a model called Purpose Built Communities. The Purpose Built Communities model uh, has been in existence for 20 years. It was born out of the experience that Tom Cousins, the real estate developer in Atlanta, had when he met the 29 year old grandmother over in the Eastlake neighborhood. The essential tenants of that purpose-built community model is world-class mixed-income housing, world-class education from cradle to graduation, access to healthcare and wellness centers, and access to real and whole food, food that doesn't have an expiration date 10 years down the line. Several of us had been talking about what that could look like in Dallas. And we've been wondering if that's the model that God is calling us to pursue. I went to Birmingham, Alabama two years ago to the Purpose Built Communities Conference, and I had the great privilege to hear the doctor, Dr. David Williams, who's the head of Harvard School of Public Health, speak. Dr. Williams said that purpose-built communities was the single best solution that he had seen to move social determinants in the right direction in his 30 year practice. Someone said, well, um, how do we eradicate all the big, the big statistics that we've seen in your presentation? And he said, simply put, we need more purposeful communities and more US cities as fast as we can build them. There were 500 people in the ballroom that day. I was one among many. And I got to thinking, there are 500 people in this ballroom. I wonder how many other ministers are here. I wonder how many uh, elders or bishops or deacons from other faith communities are here because they want to seek the welfare of their cities, that they want to listen to the voices long silenced in their towns. So I went over to my friends who had organized the conference and I said, hey, y'all know I'm a Presbyterian minister? They said, yeah, we, we know. And I said, well, how many other ministers are here? how many people are here because of their faith? They said, that's a great question. We'll get back to you after lunch. After lunch, the organizers came to me. They tapped me on the shoulder. They said, Matthew, we've checked our records. We've done a little searching, and there are four of you here. I said, four out of 500? They said, yeah. I said, that can't be because it's me and Larry James, and you're saying there are two other people? They said, yeah, that's it. I said, how many uh, purpose built communities have been created across the nation because faith communities have come together to say that they want to care for the least in their communities? They said, we don't have to do any checking on that. That's never happened. Not one of these communities has ever been created because churches and synagogues came together. Friends, what if um, we could come together? What if we could come together with faith communities and step across our theological divides and our political divides and our polity divides? What if we could come together to seek the welfare of our city together? What if we could leverage our greatest resources, which is you and me? and our minds and our hearts and our time, what if we could leverage our greatest resources to seek the welfare of our city? What if we uh, could come together, and this is the hardest part, and abandon, and abandon all Band-Aid fixes to poverty in our city? What if we could come together and abandon those in pursuit of full justice for all people, recognizing the dignity and the worth and the voice of all people? What would that look like? I don't know about you, I don't know exactly what it would look like, but this is what I do. Of all the questions that we could sit around asking in this community of faith, those, in my opinion are the most worthy questions of our time. And this is what I know. We believe in a God that we come to know in the pages of scripture that has decided not to work independent of God's creation, but a God who chooses to work through you and me And the church, that's the opportunity that is before us. For that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. My dear friends, as we walk these days and weeks ahead, may we pray that Jeremiah's words will be transformed from mere words into God's vision for our city, for our community, and our very lives. May it be so. I have a friend who um, prays with his hands out in front of him, just like this. And I've adopted his prayer posture, and if you're comfortable with it, would you join me in the same prayer posture, hands outstretched right in front of you, as we pray. Let us pray. Holy God, remove from our hands anything that stands in the way of us following you. Remove the fear and the doubt and the worry so that we might have room for what you will give us this day. And we pray, O oh God, for the faith to follow wherever you lead us, and to use all that you have given us to build your kingdom here and now. For we do pray this in the strong name of Jesus the Christ, the Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen.